0: You know, part of my job as a priest, Father Harrison, is making stuff up.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, and the first thing that you're making up is calling your, your priesthood a job.
0: Right. It's it's my job. In fact, it's my jobby job. Uh, <laughs> there are different, it's my vocation, and so, sometimes it feels like a vocation, sometimes it feels like a job. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> But part of a skill set that I have to have is making stuff up. Now, normally that making stuff up is a, you know, gathering truths and combining them to make a uh, homily or a teaching or, or you know,
1: or, you know, or making up fees that don't actually have have anything to do with what you're doing, but imposing it on the people.
0: Exactly doing that, yeah. or yeah. you know uh, making up uh, excuses about why I can't bless your dead rabbit or you know whatever, just yeah. making stuff up <laughs> um, and I've gotten pretty good at it, and yeah. uh I thought I was good enough to like give hints or signals to when i'm obviously making something up for for jokes, right. but apparently, I distressed some of our listeners <laughs> when I said that by backing into a parking spot, your car blew up. <laughs> Which is both touching and distressing. It, it's yeah. touching the fact that people very much care about you. Distressing the fact that some of our listeners... You, you guys, I was I was just being a silly goose. I, I didn't actually... Like, Father Harrison didn't blow up by packing into a parking spot. I don't understand. The I mean, the fact people. that anybody
1: ever takes you seriously is really a shock to me.
0: It is a shock. <laughs> because I say silly things all the time. It's very... <laughs> Sometimes it's actually a problem in my preaching because uh, I'll throw in a very, very dry joke in the middle of like what I'm saying because that's just how my brain works sometimes. Yeah, And it very much confuses people. I have to watch out for that more often. <laughs> Clearly, I didn't blow up. Yes. Um, you did not blow up. This is recorded uh, on the 31st of June. No, July. January. No, January. Gen- wow. Yeah, f- Jays, right? Yeah. Um, the cold so one. Uh, I'm glad you're alive. I'm bad uh, on life too. Yes, no. I just I got a I had a flight
1: delay back, and then my schedule was so tight that week that I couldn't really. It was hard to the time zone thing does get in the way sometimes. It does. It does. Yeah. Uh,
0: but you know, had fun recording with 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 Nick. He's yeah. yeah. No, you guys did great. We did a thing. It was fine. Yeah. Uh, but welcome back to a, a good old fashioned episode of Clerically Speaking. It's good old fashioned. Yeah. Oh, so okay. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You see, it the week I'm I've
1: out of. I wasn't expecting you to get into that that fast. That's all.
0: I don't know. I just feel like that—that's my bit. That's all I got. Okay. Uh, and we're just—we're we're just jump into uh, the second part of the first part of our show, <laughs> which is, clerically speaking, where you talk about some things. I'm Father Anthony. I'm
1: Father Harrison. Look
0: how messy you made that. That I'm was just well, See, this a,
1: you See, get out of the rhythm. You get out of the habit, you're and me. you're just like. But I know I took it as a gift because I was like, okay, I'm going to try and fit this in. But my schedule is so tight this week. I, I don't know how we're going to make this work. And then I was like, Do you what? And then Nick's like, I'll record with it, Father Anthony. I'm like, Do you know what? I will accept this gift. Yes. Yes. That happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. And like we've said before, you know, there are times where just life gets so busy that we may not be able to record for a week or something like that. And that's just yeah. the way it is. Because um, we like doing this,
0: but you know we've yeah. got to do the priestly things at our yeah. priestly parishes. So
1: a few things. Yeah. So I was in Edmonton uh, visiting some priest friends who so a bunch of them do listen to the podcast. So yes, we they all gave us a hard time about the backing into the parking spot thing. Now, How? they say that it's actually for insurance reasons because if you back into someone here, apparently, I did not know this. I don't know if this is just an Alberta thing or whatever. But if you back into someone in a parking lot, even if they ram into you, you're still at fault.
0: Well, why don't they just drive better?
1: I mean, these are good questions that I didn't have time because they were all giving me a hard time about it as they were leaving. And so, um, I think, I think they're just being cowards, uh, yeah. not wanting to actually hear the truth about why, why backing into a parking spot is, is, you know, not just immoral, but is contrary to the revelation of Jesus Christ, who does not back into creation, but enters into it and takes it onto himself.
0: Mm, absolutely. You know, right, the, yeah. the prideful Amen. Amen. Uh the prideful have difficulty taking correction, even that's as right. from from their good. Yes. Um and that's just sad. So I'll yes. just uh, pray for them. I'll offer them yes. my uh, my third holy hour of the day for them. Um yes. The third of the I'm sixth. I'm sure I'm sure they'll right? offer me yeah. like the their third, third, the third order or the holy hour of your six. Yeah. Sixth yes. Six. Exactly. Day, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, no. I, I was uh, yeah, I was in Edmonton. To, it was a very quick trip. Uh, they invited me to a dinner thing, and it was really good. Was, I hadn't seen some of them for a long time. And uh, there's not many priests in my diocese, so being with guys I went to seminary with was really just good and refreshing and life-giving, and I was really happy I made that quick trip. So I was there for that. Uh, three other things. I think the first one is you're going to be coming to Nanaimo
0: in March. I am uh, I don't know where that is. I assume it's in Canada. Um, basically, I'm gonna show up at my airport with a ticket that you've acquired for me, and then yes. we'll see what happens after that. Hopefully, I end up in your house. but yes,
1: yes. yes. <laughs> uh, he'll be coming up uh, March was it like six to ninth or whatever that is that week. The, the yeah. Monday to the Wednesday of that week here I'll be doing a parachute week of March. Yeah. So if you're a podcast listener on Vancouver Island, Vancouver, or you're like really crazy and you decide to fly in or drive in for one of the mission talks, um, you know, yeah, yes, you are crazy, but we'll hold a social on the Tuesday night after the Tuesday night part of the mission. Uh so uh yeah, just let us know and we'll We'll get you the deets. It's good, um, I
0: figure out what I'm going to talk about.
1: Yeah, we got. Well, yeah, we got to figure that out. Still, I, I trust you to do something. You know, no, something it's just great. it's good for the people to hear like a voice that's not mine. Absolutely. Although, although the funny thing is, like, there's, there's more and more prisoners who are finding about about the podcast.
0: <laughs> oh no! It's <laughs> well, it's fine. Worst. No, no, I don't. I don't
1: push it for. I don't push it. No, no, I have no problem with them listening to. It. I don't push it personally for a variety of reasons. Right. Because uh, I don't want to be seen like, oh, I'm a guy who's like, trying to push his name or something like that. But. Um, uh I just kind of if it grows, it grows, and that's fine. I'm that's always been my principle, anyways. Yes. So there's that. Another quick thing is just a, a tiny bit of sort of quasi self-promo, maybe, uh, is um our I at my parish, one of the things we're doing right now is um is uh doing um a weekly theology of the body catechesis. Woo-hoo! And um and they're meant to be like 15, 12 to 20 minutes, depending on how dense it is. And so, but knowing that not everyone can come on, on Tuesday night, because I do, set the Tuesday night mass and we're getting great turnout. We're getting like, we got 70 people, which for Vancouver Island, very good. Yeah. Um, I put them up on YouTube too, as well. So if you, uh, the, the parish YouTube pages, Saint, all spelt out, Saint Peter's Nanaimo, all one word. That's the YouTube page, and you'll can find you find them up every week. So if you're looking to get some good analysis of each – because this is every catechesis. Every week, it's one catechesis. This is like a two-and-a-half-year project. Okay, cool. I don't know if people know how long I've actually – I said, we're going to start doing this. I'm going to do one of the catechesis. I never told them like, how many catechesis there are. So yeah. <laughs> it's like – I don't know if people realize that we're in for like a two-and-a-half-year project
0: um so you're just ripping off of john paul ii for two years you're gonna have your Pretty own much yep, you're riffing on his catechesis for your yes. catechesis well i'm trying to make them are you doing it on wednesdays or tuesdays tuesdays tuesday oh, evenings so the vigil should... of the
1: wednesday catechesis you know
0: got it vigil <laughs> of the wednesday catechesis <laughs> no we have a tuesday
1: night mass so it works out well we have adoration yeah, yeah. beforehand so it's a good time but um the reason is it's trying to but it's a dense text and yeah. he, there's a lot of presumptive things that he's he has behind us, so i'm trying to break that down for people and so if you're interested in that it's free it's on youtube it's there for the wider audiences too but i'm not uh, again just it's out there if you're looking for something like that every week a nice little simple simple good anthropology um so that's all the self-promo stuff and the you promo stuff um just the other quick thing is so i i had a moment about a week and a half ago at mass this is why i was like i'm gonna take this gift of Hey, I'll, I'll take a break this week. Yeah. Um, at the Saturday night mass, the weekend, uh, I guess two weeks ago now, by the time this drops, uh, I was at the altar about to pray the Eucharistic prayer and I got a little dizzy. And then I felt like I was about to collapse from exhaustion. Oh, geez. I'm like, this is not good. I've never experienced this before. And I've been pushing it pretty hard. Like, like this tells you how hard I was pushing it. I was supposed to be in Edmonton this past Monday as well for a vocations meeting. My fight got canceled due to mechanical errors. So I slept for nine hours that night and then I napped twice on Monday.
0: <laughs> I so never nap shaping.
1: and I never nap. Like I never yeah. nap. I can't nap. So that tells you how tired I was anyway. So, um, so I did something I've never done before. And this is like, this is like my ADHD thing. So ADHD time blindness is a big problem. Hmm. Big problem. We don't really realize how much time things take. Sure. So I, I wrote I wrote a spreadsheet. What are my daily, weekly, and monthly tasks before appointments? Just what are those things I need to do, including thesis. And I was like shocked to see that before I have any appointments whatsoever, my weekly average commitment is 57 hours. I was like, okay, that's a lot. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's lot. a good bit. And it's then a you get got lot. appointments and stuff to that. And then I was doing 14 to 18 appointments a week. Yep. And I'm like... Why, because I was like, why am I always behind? Why am I working every moment of every hour of the day to a point where, and I'm never catching up? And I realized, no, I'm booking too many appointments based on the tasks I have. Mm-hmm. But it was like, it was like super enlightening and revealing to see that because I was like, oh, so this is why I'm always behind because I'm not actually scheduling in the things I need to do every day for the parish as well, behind the scenes, like homily prep or catechesis prep for theology of body, pastor's notes, um, you know, and like meetings are included in here. It's so like pastoral council meetings or mm-hmm. other things like that or uh, finance overview stuff or, you know, meetings with staff, all these different things and many other things that we have to do and, you know, mass and confessions and liturgy yeah. stuff <laughs> and your holy hour every day is part, I, you know, I kind of include that calculation. Yeah, yes, it's, it's for me, but it's also for the parish, right? So mm-hmm. I was like, huh. So this is why. And so I, I'm i actually like super, even though like the next couple of weeks are going to be pretty busy still because I kind of booked a lot of stuff ahead of time, we're going to start putting into my calendar when I get back for my next study break. These in mid times, and I'm very excited to see how maybe if I can get a little bit more balance in my schedule. I just, I was totally in shock that I gave that much time a week before I even appointments that's a lot of time
0: hmm. Hmm. that might play a little bit potentially into the topic this later on the show we'll Excellent. see Excellent. Uh, but uh, uh, before that before that part of our duties as the 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 pastor the co-pastors of this podcast is to have appointments with theological emergencies <laughs> You for calling clerically speaking if this is truly a theological emergency please dial one at any time
1: hi i flushed my goldfish down the toilet and i wanted to know
0: is that a sin theological emergency we'll take your call at 412-912-7995 did, did you just wake up by chance i i am very sleepy i like
1: okay. <laughs> drag myself through my
0: holy hour today i am drinking my like third or fourth like so actually it's very nice um a, a priest who is in our area from kenya brought me some kenyan instant coffee and i've been very much enjoying it hmm. it's kind of a um instant different, uh, yes but you know what it's nicer than keurig and i can just like oh, good. toss in a scoop and like heat up the water in the same amount of time and have a nice cup of coffee so it's pretty yummy cool nice hi father harrison
1: and father anthony uh, my name is Maggie. i'm calling from wisconsin and i had a question about um eucharistic prayers that we hear during mass um in my theology classes in college we were instructed that eucharistic prayer two was not intended for use on sundays but i've been being, being used a lot more on Sundays, especially when I've been traveling to different parishes, just when I'm on the road for the weekend, or not in my home parish, but um, in some of the other parishes in my surrounding area. And I was just wondering if you could shed some light about why it might be being used in the Mass um, when it's not intended for Sunday use, or at least that's what I was taught. Thank you guys so much. God bless well, you. Well,
0: Maggie, if it is your real name. Uh, first of all, what what do you what, what is i have to be careful with some of my jokes (laughs) what is a woman doing learning theology and eucharistic prayers oh oh my goodness (sighs) terrible (laughs) i'm kidding that's that's great this (laughs)
1: is uh this is when father anthony becomes taylor marshall marshall pilled
0: (laughs) why why aren't you in a cooking class instead of a theology class no um i'm very glad you're taking theology um But sadly, theology will ruin you, just like it ruins everybody, Um, because the more you learn about the liturgy, the more pain that you will uh, receive when you go to Mass. I'd rather have people stay in ignorance when it comes to Mass. But some of us, us theologians, like Father Harrison and myself and you, if your real name is Maggie, uh, we have to take this burden upon ourselves, and now we will place this burden upon all of our listeners by answering this question. So there are various Eucharistic prayers that can be used uh, during the liturgy. There's basically like four main ones. There's a few extra after those four main ones. And pretty much, I would say in general, there are three that are used uh, most often. Eucharistic Prayer One is the Roman Canon. So that's the Linus Cletus Clement, Sixus Cornelius Cyprian, Lawrence Sognus, blah, 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 blah. Um, John that's the Paul Cosmos, to Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, uh, then Eucharistic Prayer Two is the shorter one, um, quite short. Um, and then Eucharistic prayer three is often used for like either like little feast days during the weeks. A lot of times it's used for funerals because there's a nice little funeral option uh, for that. So in general, those are the three that are used. Um, now, the thing is with, with the general instruction of the Roman Missal, there are a lot of suggestions. There are more suggestions than there are rules. And so it'll say like, you should do this or it's preferred that you do that or blah, 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 blah. But because of pastoral need or whatever else, you can do whatever, okay? So really, Eucharistic prayer two, um, it's better to use it for like a normal daily Mass in ordinary time. Um, I personally use it for almost every daily Mass. Uh, That's just kind of what I do. Um, But like for Sunday Masses, the Eucharistic prayer one uh, carries with it some more solemnity. And it's kind of obvious just by reading the prayer, Eucharistic prayer one. Um, And I have found the reason why um, priests will sometimes use use Eucharistic prayer, too, is because it's shorter and they're afraid people are going to get bored during the Eucharistic prayer. And they may or may not be uh, correct about that. Uh, Sometimes it's, you know, when I was doing, when I had an insane schedule in my first uh, parish assignment and I was doing like five, six masses a weekend, I would use Eucharistic prayer, too, just because that was the only prayer I could focus on. Uh, and actually pray when I was doing that many masses. Uh, but since then, I've kind of switched to just doing Eucharistic prayer one during Sundays. I think my pastor is that too. So uh, a lot of times, the, the nice answer is it's, I'm sure there was some pastoral reason why the priest felt like he should use Eucharistic prayer too. Maybe he was sleepy that day. And it's like, you know what? I can only focus on this many words. And that's a real thing that happens. But a lot of times it's just to move mass along, to be perfectly honest uh father harrison am i being too mean or do you have other opinions
1: how dare anybody use anything because besides eucharistic prayer one
0: there are many this- priests who have this <laughs> have this ideology <laughs> why would so, you use- yeah one is best use one
1: <laughs> yeah so i mean uh i was actually just looking up the germ while you were talking there a little bit i could tell talks- i kept trying to advance to make sure you were ready Yeah, yeah. So I um, was just checking it out to see what it says, and it says that uh, Eucharistic Prayer One uh, should be used for like anytime those any of those saints that are mentioned, you should use that. Uh, Also, within the community cantes, like the big solemnities around like Easter and Christmas and Pentecost and stuff like that, should be used. And it is especially suited for use on Sundays unless for pastoral reasons, Eucharistic prayer three is preferred. So there's, I think that's your first little guidepost, right? Then it says Eucharistic prayer two on account of its particular features is more appropriate used on weekdays or on in special circumstances, although it is provided with its own preface. It may also be used with other prefaces, especially those that sum up the mystery of salvation. For example, the common prefaces when mass is celebrated for for a particular deceased person, the special formula given may be used at the proper point, namely before the part the part remember us also brothers and sisters um so you'll notice it doesn't say anything in there about using it on sunday i think this is a um yes it's talking about preference and stuff like this but it also doesn't really say anything about for pastoral reasons using two
0: ah yes right but it says you sh- it doesn't say like you have to use one or three it says you Ooh. should use one and if not you should probably use th- that's one thing like i think that's where people bend the rules is because it's yeah. It doesn't it doesn't say you can't, right? And it right, doesn't say exactly. you can't. But lot, yeah, fine. but
1: it also doesn't say I can't, you know, have clowns do the readings.
0: Um, well, you know, uh that's happened at Catholic exactly. Mass as well. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Just because it says Listen, it can't. Yeah, I
0: agree with you, Father Harrison. Yes, I'm just saying yes, this, is, I know, this is the I know, mindset.
1: I know, I know. Uh, Eucharistic prayer three may be said with any preface. It, its use should be preferred on Sundays and festive days. If, However, this Eucharistic prayer is used in masses for the dead, the special form for a deceased person may be used. Um, Eucharistic prayer four has an invariable preface and gives a fuller summary of salvation history. Therefore, you're, that means you're supposed to, you have to use the preface if you're using Eucharist of Prayer 4. No changing your prefaces. It may be used when a Mass has no preface of its own and on Sundays in ordinary time. On account of its structure, no special formula for a deceased person may be inserted into this prayer. Yeah. And so it, Eucharist uh, Prayer
0: 4 is, you basically can more or less only use it on ordinary times, ordinary Sundays in ordinary time.
1: And any weekday.
0: Yeah, but that's but way it, too long for it, a weekday. But, but, Ridiculous. But,
1: or any, or it, it can really only be used for ordinary time, essentially. Yes, because uh, the prefaces that are proper to the different seasons must be used during those seasons,
0: et cetera, etc. Um, uh, just to clarify for so, people who are glazing over, the preface is the the first part of the Eucharistic prayer, uh, where you say, "The Lord be with you," and with your spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. So there's different options right. for that, yes, yes. Uh, depending on the day and what you have to do. Sometimes there's prescriptions; you have to use this one or that one. And right. then the Eucharistic prayer follows that. Um, and then yeah, go on with mass. So.
1: so essentially I would say like you have one and three as the options for Sunday. Yeah. With four possibly only during ordinary time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then two is meant for weekdays with three, one and four as three and one as possibilities and four as a possibility during ordinary time. Yeah. So that is the norm I follow personally. Like I, I have, there was one time, one time, I used Eucharistic prayer too, and it was only because it was like forty-one degrees Celsius out, which mm-hmm. is very, very hot. I preached for one minute, and we got done in half an hour because I didn't want people to collapse because our church is, yeah. is made of brick and it was a brick oven. That I think you're you're fine, right? Mass is still valid, right? But it's the whole point is to say that there are specific reasons for these different prayers for these particular times. Um, Eucharistic prayer two actually interesting is actually one of the more ancient ones. It's St. Hippolytus's Eucharistic prayer. Um, but it's still quite short. It lacks, it just, I think the reason the church prefers it just for weekdays, it does lack a certain development, mm-hmm. right? Eucharistic prayer one, for example, carries that forward a bit more around this notion of sacrifice, which is pr- proper to it. You'll notice Eucharistic prayer two doesn't use much language around sacrifice mm-hmm. because this is like a third or fourth century eucharistic prayer it's very early on and, and and so this notion of massive sacrifice is there but it take it, it develops over time
0: also a lot of that prayer from Hippolytus that's actually in the preface that's proper to it it's that's right the actual eucharistic prayer doesn't have much of the um like i, I often of the use prayer
1: to it during um ordinary time on a ferial mm-hmm. Right, that, which is like a, a, yeah. a no, no feast or anything like that. Yeah. So that way, and I'll use the preface because half the time, God bless my sacristans—they forget to often set up the preface. They set everything else up, but the preface, your sacristans set
0: up prefaces. They'll
1: set up Ever? everything else in the missile.
0: Amazing, but, they, but
1: not the prefaces. They, that's the one thing that often okay. gets mixed. So you have to flip through and everything. Anyways, yeah,
0: but yeah. So I think,
1: I mean, personally, I think so Sunday, so for weekends, Thursday, Saturday night, I use three often. Mm-hmm. It's a simpler mass, simpler group not simpler group, but just like it's smaller, you know, it's not less uh, solemn. Yeah. Uh, but Sunday morning, my 1030, my big one, uh, we go all out and I always do Eucharistic prayer one
0: with every
1: name in the canon and uh, it's awesome. Because if you're going
0: to do it, might as well do it. So well, actually, I mean, those, those list of names, they're in parentheses. So the lion's Cleus climate, right. you can technically omit them, but why? i have it all
1: memorized pretty much now. Yeah. But it's also, there's a reason for it for me too personally is, okay, if, everyone knows by this point our, po- our 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 uh, our stance about posture uh, the orientation in the liturgy is ad orientem is good for liturgy. It's good for but the if liturgy. If I'm going good to be versus soul. populum, yeah. I'm going to use it to communicate and catechize and educate through experience because there's a lot more gestures that the priest mm-hmm. does with Eucharistic prayer one. And so by seeing these gestures, the people see them more in their face because if I'm facing them, they're going to see it more. And they're actually going to see, like, yeah, these are things we do because this is the holiest thing we we do. And so I'm using that as a kind of implicit educational moment as well. They let these gestures speak to the people in a formative Mm way.
0: Yeah. And the actual prayer itself is very informative about what's actually going on. Yeah. Um. It's also very almost loose we pray for
1: or and we pray for our, the people or they also pray for themselves you know it's just like, yeah. like there's like this is like, kind of like you can tell that text just kind of got added in there a little bit over time mm-hmm. uh, and and they weren't properly edited
0: <laughs> um and i kind of <laughs> love the messiness of that yeah
1: because so eucharistic prayer one does have that and i kind of love it
0: yeah so you can tell that we're kind of nerds about eucharistic prayers as all good priests should be that's in right. my humble but always correct opinion um <laughs> To anyone who disagrees with me. Uh, but uh, there you go. There's, there's your answer. Uh, Father there we Arson, go. do you have anything else? Do you uh, want to yeah, pick one? No, we'll go to the next one here. Hi, guys. It's Tracy from Cranberry Township, one of the 2,000 and some that listen to you weekly. Uh, quick question. During the introductory rite, when we are asking for forgiveness of our sins, um, after that prayer, a lot of the parishioners um, will make the sign of the cross. And I don't. Am I wrong? Are they wrong? Who's wrong? Nobody? Love you
1: guys. Bye. Well, Tracy, if that's your real name, I'm going to presume it's actually the real place because that's a lot of listeners and, and they deserve our support. You know, like when I, when, when Nick was reading those stats last week, I'm like, do what? Good on them. Uh, so good question. We're getting, we're doing liturgy stuff today. This is like a liturgy. It's liturgy ban. emergencies, Yeah, liturgy emergencies. So I am under the impression that it is a bit of a holdover from something. Um, where because it was, I think, for a while it was seen as like a, a sort of absolution in and of itself for venial sins uh, by participating in the mass. your venial sins are forgiven, right? So, and that the penitential rite is the proper part of that. Uh, so, making the sign of the cross, I think, is a bit of a devotional thing. A lot of people like to do it. I don't see anything wrong with that necessarily. Um, we make lots of signs of crosses during the mass, uh, right? Again, Eucharistic prayer one, you're like doing that over, you know, you just all that, all those, all the crosses all the time. Sure, um, sure. So actually I actually don't see a problem with it. I'm going to maybe while you talk, I'll kind of effort that as well. Yeah. Uh, um, my sense is I don't, I believe that is not in the germ that you're just supposed to say that when the priest says, may almighty God, uh, my, all right. Now it's funny. When you're in the moment, may almighty god bless us forgive us our sins and bring us life everlasting i think those are the words when you're in the moment yeah you're in you're in the moment you're just in it but it's like you have to draw it out of context you forget these words sometimes so anyways i um my sense is that you don't actually have to make the sign of the cross i think it's just from the sense of oh this is a moment of forgiveness and so as a sign of receiving a grace i'm making a sign of the cross to acknowledge the gift
0: yeah. I think also just the cadence of that prayer um, almost lends itself to the sign of the cross. So it's almost like this thing where it's like it's almost got those like th- three parts of it. It just kind of like fits uh, gesture wise. But um, I'm pretty sure it's it's not it doesn't say that you have to do it. That being said, is it wrong? Um, I don't think anybody's wrong whether you do it or don't do it. Um, I think there's room in the liturgy for little things like that. Um that's actually, mm-hmm. I think, how the liturgy organically grows um, with stuff like that. So that doesn't like really bother me as long as it it, it fits. And making right. a sign of the cross during a prayer, um, reminding us of uh, absolution given to us in Christ, uh, that's that's fine. So um, I, I, in general, my my I, my stance is that you should sacrifice your personal devotion for the communal uh, action. Uh, but I've become less, I care less about that now. N- n- now I'm like, oh, people are at Mass and paying attention. I love it. I love it. You can make 14 signs of the crosses or none. I'm just glad you're here and praying. It makes me happy. So, right. Yeah, it looks like there's nothing
1: in the germ proper. I, I don't have like the 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 order of Mass in front of me right now, so I can't uh, see that, but it, there's nothing in the germ instructing towards making a sign of the cross. But again, like, We were talking earlier how just because something isn't in there doesn't mean that we should do it. It's also at the same time, I think these are good little devotional things that because, yeah, because they're they're not there, but it's not, it doesn't, it's not, and I think it accentuates what is happening at that moment. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing. Yeah, so so it's
0: fine. Do it or don't do it. Who cares? Uh, The big thing is just don't let other people distract you when it comes to that thing. Yeah. There Um, we go. Okay, Okay. so... so Time for Presbyteral Exhortations. And now it is time for Presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good, quite good. Indubitably, <laughs> I bet they can't wait to learn. <laughs> it's my favorite part. Oh, it's oh, the oh, best part. <laughs> yes. yes. Quite, quite. yes. Right. So, uh, Father Harrison, I think I've mentioned, actually we did a little bit on the podcast, weeks and weeks ago. I'm starting to get into John of the Cross, and Mm -hmm. uh, I am very slowly working through this book. I'm gonna end up reading it again. Uh, and It's really, really good. It's called The Dark Knight, and you actually recommended this to me. Uh, (laughs) It's one of my, oh, here's a book to read that I haven't read yet. (laughs) Yes, but it was a good recommendation. Uh, The Dark Knight, psychological experience and spiritual reality by Mark Foley, uh, OCD, uh, which is some sort of Carmelites. Discouse Carmelites? Right. Carmelites without shoes, I think. That's right. He's Carmelite. He doesn't wear shoes. Um, and uh, as I'm going through it, I am... Because it's... it's a, so, in general, I thought I was kind of well-versed in spiritual life and how it works. You know, <laughs> in general, like you've got the Illuminative, or you've got the uh, Purgative, Illuminative, and Unitive stage. I know a little bit about uh, Sangley Shoes a Loyola, but kind of diving deeper uh, a little bit of Patricia Vassel, but diving deeper into John LaCrosse, um, I'm trying to like make it fit with my brain. So I'm not going to call myself in any way an expert, but as I was flipping through, by flipping through, I mean reading attentively, I came to this section and it's all about how basically we grow in holiness through suffering. But this section, a quote was specifically interesting to me. So I will read this quote. It should be noted, among the many wiles of the devil for deceiving spiritual persons, the most common is deceiving them under the appearance of good rather than evil. For the devil already knows that they will scarcely choose and recognize evil. Thus, you should always be suspicious of what appears good, especially when not obliged by obedience. To do the right thing and be safe in such a manner you ought to take proper counsel, let then. The first precaution be that, without command of obedience, you never take upon yourself any work, apart from the obligations of your state, however good and full of charity it may seem, whether for yourself or for anyone else, inside or outside the house. By such a practice, you will win merit and security, avoid possession, and flee from harm and the evils unknown to you. So, Father Anthony's translation of what I just read is that when someone is actively pursuing god virtue and spiritual life um, it is harder to tempt them uh, by presenting them an evil choice Uh, the trickier thing that the devil does is provide them with a good choice that they should not accept Uh, and so the person will go into doing this other activity while it may seem meritorious it may seem charitable it's not what they're supposed to be doing and therefore they were falter and so john lacrosse is saying be careful about choosing to take on some other good work
1: question yes who who is he writing to here
0: he is writing to, who is he writing to in this? Just because
1: the words yeah. about obedience makes me think it's like he's talking to fellow Carmelites.
0: He probably is. Um, right. So there's, like, I guess. That's what most people write to. Right. Because
1: right. You're, also, you're already getting into a problem like, what about the lay person who isn't under obedience in that sense? Exactly. Right. I do want to talk so, about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I think there's I think ways to do it. It's just, yeah. Right. Um, hmm. Yeah, so, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Initial impressions are good. Um,
1: yeah, I, I'm like fifty fifty on it, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I, maybe it's because of like my sense of what I know Asedia to be, which is like the inability to choose the good, mm-hmm. right? And that is a quite a common problem today. And so even though, so for often for those type of people, they'll need to actually like choose the good to actually get out of ascidia. And so even if it's, I guess the other thing is, what does obedience look like is I think a big question. And third, I don't want people who may suffer either from scrupulosity or from over analysis to freak out and wonder because you can see this often right where they start to actually doubt the good because they never can actually trust it or their desires or their intentions and because they'll say but maybe the devil's behind it essentially and i don't want to choose that and so then they become they enter into like an arrested spiritual development
0: Yes, so I I like all of that. It's all very important. So this is one that actually I find in um, This is why I very rarely suggest that people read the spiritual classics apart from a few exceptions Uh, I think introduction to the devout life is pretty straightforward and a few other ones, but um, Because you're right. This is John uh, writing to his brethren Carmelites Um, and so there are a lot of presumptions that are made it's also not the very first part of the book it's toward the end of his i think this is commentary on one of his prayers anyway so yes all that that being said um the church does have a very long tradition of looking at what religious are doing and applying it to lay people in some sort of way i mean that's how Mm -hmm. you get everything basically from uh you know the rosary to holy 15 minutes or whatever okay right Right. So this struck me in a few ways because it's been a suspicion of mine when it comes to professional Catholics, uh, which we can fall into as mm-hmm. as priests as well. Mm-hmm. But also lay people where I look at a lot of people who are doing good work and. Um, whether it's through podcasting or giving talks or speaking or priests who want to you know do the same sort of like sort of public things, and I definitely see the pitfall in choosing those things. You know, very recently we've had like a slew of public priests who have fallen into scandal with you know Father Frank Pavone and all these other people, um, where you can see how what at once was choosing something that was good probably was not what God was calling them to because they end up falling out of obedience. Right, um, You know, you can see this with everybody from back in the day, Father John Carapi to Frank Provone to, right. um, I, would ar- I would argue, James Martin and others, where this yeah. like kind of being this public figure taking on these works is Father actually Rupnik. leading them away from their vocation. Yeah,
1: and Father Rupnik too.
0: Yeah, Father Rupnik too. Um, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Right? So I see that. I also see like, I always get worried about lay people who are trying to make a living out of ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, take that Nick yeah <laughs> Well, <after> this, <laughs> I'm to, this is getting to like um, uh, part of the thing I want to talk about is that I just you know if we were to take just to say theoretically all the people who give talks who do podcasts and everything and said you can't do any of that you just have to minister to your immediate community yes how much more would that change the church much better I think so yes Um. Because more and more what I'm experiencing, because, okay, I'll bring this to what, what, what we do as well before we get into because that's that's the obvious. Self-referential
1: the podcast.
0: Exactly. But it's, it's important to acknowledge yes, before easy, we, yes, yes, just yes. for a little bit. Yes. Um, that's why I think we make sure like you were busy with stuff. So you did not record last week. Mm-hmm. Right? Also, mm-hmm. we don't need to do this as far as like it does not sustain Correct. our money or anything. Um, and we in
1: fact this is why we refuse personally to take any money from the podcast
0: right we don't take any money we don't you do any advertising so, you and I except. don't we
1: pay we do pay, pay Nick and Riley for helping yeah. on the background because they're lay people who need to you know pay for diapers and stuff like if this if they're gonna
0: do work they should get yes. paid which yes. is fine yes. okay um, it's also a little bit it's more directly a part of our vocation sense of teaching and preaching that sort of yep. thing.
1: Okay. And it does benefit our parishes. Right. And it's like, but this is also why we're not, it's funny. It's grown a lot still. Like it's like when Nick is telling us these numbers, I'm just like, man, like how, right. Yeah. But, but we don't go around pushing it, nor do we actually really do like, we've been asked to do talks and parish missions together. And we pretty much have always said no, not that we're always absolutely opposed to this, but again, for you and I parish ministry is number one.
0: And I think part of it is because we see, like I see in myself very much so, uh, mm. how easy it would be to become obsessed with this sort of thing. Right, right. Um, so bringing it back down. So that, that's kind of some some, not big picture, but some more meta stuff. Right. But I have found that a lot of times in my spiritual life, in my journey, especially earlier on, that I would try to jump at every good thing because it was a good thing. Right. Instead of discerning what God was asking me to do. And so I would it's very easy then to exhaust yourself with doing good things that you're not yes. supposed to be doing. Right. Right. Uh the, the big thing for me, it almost ruined the rosary for me. I may have mentioned this in the past mm-hmm. that I was praying a full uh rosary, um, four sets of mysteries every day in seminary. And it utterly trashed my prayer. Yeah. I become yeah. basically unable to pray because this was the only thing I was doing uh and it became my prayer became not dry not in the sense of it was fruitless my prayer was fruitless because that's mm-hmm. all it was and that was not what god was asking me to do he was like hey how about we deal with these emotions you have i'm like nope got more beads to pray no time for emotions right you know <laughs> then
1: mary takes the rosary and just hits you over the head with it and says deal with your emotions
0: yes and that's basically what she did <laughs> because she basically took my rosaries away from me it's like no you're getting nothing out of this because this isn't what god's asking you to do yeah um there is a a fleeing into work yes. that is very dangerous. Um, it's the for opposite end of the CDIA, right? The busyness yes. side of the CDIA, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in a sense, it's very It's, it's flip side of the CDIA. So, um, it's also the inability to choose the good in the sense that exactly. you're choosing the wrong goods. Exactly. It's all.
1: Can I can I jump in here? Please do. Yeah it's about a rightly ordered life, mm-hmm. right? So I think like hearing what St. John had to say there, my sense of obedience, for example, would be like, um, you know, you're a married couple and a family, and but you want to go to do a holy hour every day in the church. You got five kids at home and like one of them's like, you know, one years old or something like that. Sorry, no, not going to happen right now. Maybe maybe, when all the kids leave the home, that might be a possibility, but that would actually be choosing a real good, which is prayer, mm-hmm. but it would be uh it would be an escape from what is the more immediate duty of your vocation of life, which is what requires your obedience, and I think this is the key, right so obedience really is about saying yes to one's state of life and what is which should be chosen around. so again, so get getting in a little bit more stuff for refer, refer, referential here. Mm-hmm. This is why we do what we do with the podcast, because it's about ordering things, right? I mean, because we can also, like, ego can easily seep in in so many ways. So it also keeps us grounded by staying close to home. And it helps the podcast be rooted in something real, right? Which is so vital for us. It's, you know, someone said to me that, I said, you know, sometimes, because, yeah, sometimes we show up and we just go without, <laughs> we, uh-oh.
0: Speaking of again, important again, things, again. I know. I don't know. I don't know. Once again, every time, man.
1: Where was I? I'm Where back. Where was I? Yes. So, but uh, yeah, some friends are saying like how they actually almost like the rush nature of the podcast and its unfinishedness in a way. It's because it's a sign that we're immersing ourselves in our local ministry and that's a good thing, right? That 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 bears a fruit, and I think that is good. Um, I know for myself, just maybe speaking. I remember. We had an encounter with a certain priest who's got a lot of f- following out there, and his example and his story to us when we met him, I think, was very inspiring for me to help me see, yeah, if things grow, great. But always remember what's first, and that's, mm-hmm. that's why I don't, that's why I don't push the podcast in the parish. But people will find it great, I, yeah. I push the theology of body thing a little bit, not because I'm trying to like grow my name or anything. That's the like, thing you've already done. That people, that's the thing already done for it. the parish first. Yeah. Because of things that were arising in the parish that I knew needed to be addressed around, like, what does it mean to be male and female? These are questions a lot of people have. And so, and a lot of people work. So they can't get to Tuesday night, even if, or they can get to Tuesday night, maybe last week once in a while, but they don't want to miss out on the series. So this way, or you want to reread, you want to look back at it later. That's fine. It, then it has a secondary good, right? So this is the thing. Uh, and I think this is so vital to life. So if you're a lay person like, or, or another example is one of our young adults went to a come and see this weekend at our, our seminary, you know, full weekend of that. And he texted us last night saying like, hey, I don't know if I can go to Tuesday night mass this week because I got two assignments to do that night and I'm a little behind. And I said, of course, don't come do your assignments. Yeah. Right. You just had a whole weekend away for faith feeling stuff. That's good. Like. Don't, there's no guilt there. And in fact, I always try to balance things to say to young adults or people coming back to their faith, don't be wary of like the church becoming absolutely everything in your life to a point where you have no life outside of it, because for most people, uh, that's not good. Yeah. Right. So I think this is about a rightly or, so if it's a lesser good, that does not serve a higher good. And I think vocation or state in life is always the first, uh, question, clarifying question of that. Uh, then it's probably worth saying no to. Now the question becomes: I think, okay, well, this seems to feed my state of life. Should I choose this or not?
0: Right. Okay. That's so, where.
1: That's where I think the next question comes.
0: Yeah. Um. So I think I'm going I'm to get there. This this okay. this quote comes into the part where um, uh, John is talking about, and the author of the book is talking about the author of the book is talking about how john is talking about uh, the, a lot of times the reason why god allows us to enter into suffering is because it's a safer way to grow in holiness hmm. um it is a slow it's like you're shackled but you step with more surety so right because there. you're not running around you actually end up making more progress because you're going in the right direction at a safe pace because uh, when you're in the midst of suffering like all you can do is get you know um Ask the Lord for his mercy. Like, all you can do is what's in your state in life. And a lot of times, God will allow us into those moments of suffering actually so that we make more progress. Because a temptation of making progress or trying to make progress by doing good works is that we can become enamored of our good works. So we end up taking credit for the good that we have done uh, instead of seeing that as basically all thanks to God's grace. And so you can become so enamored with all the, look at all of the good things I'm doing. And this very much falls into um, our culture as well. Like you're not a good person unless you're a busy person. Um, Or uh, you're a a holy person in as much as people can see all of the holy things you do. And that ends up feeding into your pride. So while it seems on the outside that you're doing good works, you're actually falling behind in the spiritual life. Which... Um, Lisa's overall thing that the Lord keeps punching me in the face with that we, it's a bit of a returning theme on our podcast as well, is that we undervalue the importance of humility and just being small in Mm -hmm. the Lord. Yes. Like, um, it it may seem like really exciting to do Exodus 90 if you're a new dad and you want to do all these things, but like, you've got a six month year old baby to like take care of. And no one's gonna like compliment you on on you know taking cold showers. You can't feel good about uh, giving up this and that, uh, but you have to enter into that quiet suffering and sacrifice that. Plus, you really have a new baby. You're already
1: waking up at three a.m. Anyways, like, right? right. You've already uh, got enough suffering coming your way.
0: It's it's P90x season, so I always think about uh, the good and bad that comes from uh, XS90. Yeah. Um, uh, so like XS90 is great for some people, especially if like you're you know um i think especially for uh young people who don't have a lot of dependence and it depends each person okay that's why you have a spiritual director when you do it good right uh but you can see how sometimes you have to like give up giving something up yeah because it would just feed your pride and not benefit your vocation which maybe is to your family
1: i remember i remember um my first year of priesthood uh I was talking to a priest at the time, doing a bit of spirit direction with him. And he said, I said, you know, so Lent's coming up. I'm trying to figure out what to do. He goes, your first year of a priest as a priest, you have enough penance during Lent. Don't worry about it. And like, that was actually one of the most, and this is a guy who's very holy, uh, quite up there, um, quite up there in age though. But uh, I was like, that is actually some of the best advice I ever got. Mm-hmm. Like, you're doing extra liturgy during Lent as a priest. like And uh, yes, there's good stuff around fasting and stuff, but like, those are things you'll grow into as you mature. right? Just kind of like what St. Paul says about, um, you know, you don't give solid food, you know, you have to give milk and then solid food type of thing as you kind of grow in maturity. I think that's the same thing with the spiritual life. Don't try and eat meat when you can, you don't even have any like spiritual teeth yet, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> so you... you um, <clears throat> did you hear that oh yeah
0: oh i thought i pressed the i guess it's the wrong button (laughs) oh well
1: that's all good we'll we'll see what nick does with that (sighs) um
0: much better hello producer nick here i will not be editing that out i personally think that's podcast comedy gold Enjoy the rest of the show.
1: I was trying to talk. I into, Anyway, so yeah, but it's, uh, it, these are, I think these are good things. Like I always say to people, if you're not praying every day, which we should be, really, we really should be praying every day. Yeah. Of course, it's going to be different for each state of life. Um, But if you're not praying every day, like five minutes a day is plenty to start off with. Because the Lord prefers consistency over quantity. Mm-hmm. I find in my and it builds up a good habit. Like the image I always use is you don't start training for a marathon by running a marathon. It will literally kill you. Yeah. <laughs> um, um you start by running a block or two and getting yourself in shape and, and building up your endurance. And it's the same thing with a spiritual life. And I think this is what John's trying to get at is do what is necessary for for your spiritual life. Uh, and, and that obedience, that obedience which you don't need to have a spirit structure for all these things. No. Your obedience is as often just your spouse. If you're a parochial vicar, your your obedience is your 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 pastor. For yeah. me, it's a bit of like bishop plus parish, right? Yeah. and and so on and so forth. And again, these aren't and these aren't competitive things. Yeah, do what? Priests do pray more time. They do have more time to pray. That's literally why we are priests. So it does not give us a you know, we're not better or we're not seen as uh, we don't have less things on our plate than lay people because of having more time to pray. We were literally set aside for this. So don't try to say, well, um, well, I wish priests had less, more busy time and less prayer time so that they could see what life is like for us. That's not proper to a priest's life, right? Just as it's not proper to most lay people's lives to pray for five hours a day or something like that. Not that we pray five hours a day, but you know, like, uh, let your state of life be what guides you. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. And so uh, another thing that, I was thinking of as I was kind of praying over this is that um, a lot of times a good work can distract us from what is going on in our hearts. Exactly. And so something as simple as um, there's a lot of bad news about the church. If you want to look for it, if you're on Twitter for your, um, you know, um, and the temptation is to do the quote unquote good work of speaking out against it of posting if you will right and there is to a certain extent you can see how that's a good thing like catholics uh providing witness online mm-hmm. um but a lot of times that can distract us from the fact that uh i'm actually really hurt by what's going on in the church and confused and my faith is shaken instead of dealing with that it's easier to indulge in anger and to post or Yell about this or share this sort of thing, right? And it's not—it's not like saying that we. This is why prayer is so important to all right. of this. Right. John isn't saying don't do good works; he's saying you before you take on good works, like you have to be rooted and grounded in prayer, because wisdom comes from Jesus Christ. That's right. More like if if choosing between two goods is something that we're gonna mess up a lot. Yes. It's only with understanding and learning more and more the voice of God and how to recognize it and how to recognize your own interior voices right. of it's, like, what, what are you afraid of? What do you desire? What do you right. need? Uh, what are you avoiding? It's, it's through contemplation and prayer that these things become clear and then you can choose the right thing. And a lot of times choosing the right thing is choosing the smaller, quieter thing. That's In right. Fact, exactly. I would say nearly all the time it is. Yeah. It's probably um, where
1: you need to. And like, if it's to do the, the louder thing, if you will. Yeah. That should, that will become clear over time that that's what you're supposed It won't come clear instantly. It'll come clear over time.
0: Right. And so that's why like being suspicious of taking on a bigger, good project is prudent because, um, if you, right. if it's of God, it'll keep coming up. And if it's not, it's going to fade away right yes exactly i get really good suggestions for um you know stuff i should do with a podcast or books or things um and i always like you know that's a really good idea i can see how that works but i'm just gonna sit with it a while and see if anything else confirms this or if this like right. Lord's moving to me in prayer and a lot of times that stuff fades away
1: yep yep and that's and sometimes it's not even like the lord's necessarily moving it it's just your brain can only handle so much information or ideas at once sure. and so it's like hey This isn't grabbing me. So like uh, Athena's grabbing my heart a lot lately is, and it's been actually, but it's it's been interesting. It's been the fruit of like months and months of like little prayer. Not even, I haven't even been praying for it like directly. It's just been hanging in the back of my mind is Mm -hmm. what if the effect of, and this might be my next podcast topic. What if the effect of grace was such that it even transformed the land around the church? Like that mean? grace is so real that it touches everything yeah which what would that look like right ah and mm. and, and and that's the question that's been prompting on you know, my but it's it's been coming up slowly and remaining and that to me is a sign like hey I gotta pay attention to this what does this mean for me in my parish Where are we gonna act on this what does this look like what do I need to do for this um but to recognize that to to do what I think wouldn't be the for that I need to be around for a long time and stuff like this. Or maybe it's just an idea the Lord wants to just plant in my heart for now, but it may not be able to be affected here for some reason and it'll be affected somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the way he works. So just let it sit for a while is often the best. You see, we get news instantly. And so we feel we have to react instantly. Mm -hmm. And I get that, but I always say to people too, like in my parish who are worried about things in the church or something like that, I say, Hey, can you change anything about it? Well, you can pray about it. Yep. You can intercede. You can offer penance. But outside of that, what can you do? Can you fly to Rome and deal with this cardinal or that priest or whatever? No. So maybe your energies are better directed locally. I think that's where the devil... I think if, if, if anything, like what John is talking about there, I think this is where the devil often works today is he says, let these problems that don't actually directly affect us seem like they do and feel like mm-hmm. you have to do something about it right away. Um, like, like you said, yeah, I am hurt with it or I, this does suck or this does... And I don't think we've... We still have a lot of maturity to grow into this re- new reality of like instant digital communication. Uh, We have not dealt with this well as Catholics in general, and we have not helped people spiritually to grow in this. Um, But we need to be more discerning about where our energies lie.
0: Yeah. And I guess the final thing is that what is good and what is God's wisdom does not look like what our wisdom is or what we think would be the good thing to do. Because this is in the context of John saying that you make more progress by uh, in holiness by suffering than by doing good works in certain certain stages and times in your spiritual life, mm-hmm. and that looks like it makes no sense. Suffering often seems to us to be utterly pointless, that's or the when point. you can't pray, or when um, prayer seems dry, it seems like you're not doing anything, and that becomes frustrating. When in fact, that's what God is using to bring you closer to Him, and so you can't just because you know, um, a good work you do may be successful or a lot of people may come to it or you can point out how good it is because just because it's obvious and you see those things, those aren't necessarily good fruits, right? And the only way you can know whether or not what you're doing is good is by, is through prayer, right? And sometimes prayer makes you choose the not obvious thing or the quieter thing or the the more humbling thing. Or the embarrassing thing, right? Yeah. It's not always like go out there and look cool for the Lord, yeah. um, whether it's cool in your own eyes or in other people's eyes, right. and right. like the small works of whatever your duty is in life, yeah. whether it's the more mundane parts of our lives as as uh, priests, or the more mundane parts of people's lives as you know single people or married people. That's actually what's going to help the church more than anything else, right? And a lot of that, our doubt in that a lot of times boils down to our doubt our doubt in the power of prayer and that God actually is, is in control of things ultimately. Right. And, and I, so the good he is leading us to is a smaller, quieter good.
1: Yes. But also speak,
0: a gooder good.
1: Yes. Just two things with this. One is like I was just speaking to someone who does like missionary type work and they're like, oh, this month we're not seeing the fruit like we did the last quarter even though we're putting the same energy and time into it. I said, yeah, and? (laughs) I said, no, I said, is it worth the effort to bring Christ to one person, all that effort? They said, yes. So Mm -hmm. I said, then why are you worrying about whether it's more or less right now? The key is faithfulness, Mm -hmm. right? That's your obedience to your task right now, right? Be faithful to the task regardless, you know, and yet I always like to say to and and use this as an opportunity to see, am I being faithful to what the Lord's asking? Mm Mm-hmm that's the other thing. Maybe he yeah. may, might be a subtle judgment to say something needs to change that we're not addressing people in their need. Right. That's a possibility too. Um, The second thing is, and I, oh, I don't want to lose it because I know it's good. And you just said something. I was like, this is really, ah, darn it, darn it. In regards to that prayer and that smallness. Ah, I hate when this happens. I should have taken yeah. a note. Uh, um, cause it was really, you made a really, really good point there. Um, I'm
0: sure I did. I'm going to keep talking and see if it comes into your brain and interrupt okay. me. Please do. Uh, if it does. Um, but like the important part of this, like, so we're, we're giving examples to try to show the scope of right. how this can apply. But the point yeah. is, you're not going to know like, okay, maybe God does want you to start that podcast. Uh, or do whatever else like the only way you can find out is to have a deep life of prayer and contemplation and if you are a baptized christian you can have a prayer life that is deep and contemplative it's Mm -hmm. just going to look different for each person uh and but you have to be rooted in that you cannot start any good work you cannot start any project without first having really prayed um It's not coming from God. It's, it's, it's may seem good, but it's not good.
1: Now I remember. Thank you. Um, Yeah. So in that smallest of the prayer, this is, this is the heart of it. Uh, Pope Benedict talks about this in his catechesis on prayer, which is amazing. He talks about that prayer is the fundamental expression of our being a creature, Mm. right? To pray, to be a creature is to pray because Mm. it means I am not the source of my own self. I need, I am this, I am the gift of another. But to be a creature also means to be limited. I can't do everything. I don't have, my freedom is actually limited. It's finite freedom, not infinite freedom. So in the life of the church, and, and like in um, uh, John Paul II in his second catechesis talks about the, the convertibility of the being being and the good, mm-hmm. uh, how those two things are convertible. To be mm-hmm. is to be good, and they're just pretty much the same thing. Yeah. And I was saying that, yeah, to exist is to be good and that the loss of creation, the notion of creation of our creatureliness is actually, it goes along with our lack, our loss of the sense that to exist is to be good. But you can only accept that when you accept you're limited. And prayer is the place where that's encountered, known and experienced and, and embraced. And that in my limit that's precisely the thing God it's it's a scandal of particularity that God wants to use what is particular in me which is limited it's unique it has boundaries to it to manifest his grace he uses bread and makes his son present to us in a substantial way it's bread that's it like that's what it, that's all he uses and he makes the son and his sacrifice, death, and resurrection present to us in a powerful way. God uses limited things to make the infinite present. It's called sacrament. Yeah. um right? This is the whole to be limited is to be good. and it's only and I can only know that if I have a life of prayer. And only in that prayer will I accept my limitedness. And only there will I actually be able to choose the goods necessary in that limitedness because they'll be coming from God and not from me. And only in that does he actually show his power because he uses my weakness to show his power. He uses my limitedness to manifest his unlimited power. It's manifest weakness. That is the center of all everything in Paul. And that is the center of the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what St. John's getting at. Where, where I am crucified, there the power of God resides in me.
0: Yes. So what I'm really trying to say, Father Harrison... Let this call boil. What even, even more basic. I'm going to boil what okay. what all this actually means. Because it wasn't about you. It wasn't about listeners. This was all about me. And the point was, even though reading about John of the Cross during my whole hour was really cool, and saying that I'm learning from John the Cross makes me feel very special and holy as I study the dark night of the soul. What I actually needed to do was put down my book and pray my breviary, which right. was boring and dry for me. Right. And that's yes. what I had to do. That's and what this is all about.
1: <laughs> I'll, I, no, no, but this is. I've had a similar experience with my thesis, right? Where it's like, I have all these ideas and I do. And it's part of the problem with ADHD is like, you you have two million, like a, someone used the analogy I read the other day. You have a Ferrari engine with bicycle brakes. (laughs) So it's, you know, that's part of the suffering of it all. And I thought that was actually a great analogy. Um, But I keep on, like actually put it in different sections now, be surgical, be limited, stick to this one thing. And if I keep on asking, is this sticking to what I'm talking about here? Nope. Make a note of it. And it's a crucifixion. It really is. It's a suffering yeah. to say no yeah. to this. It's a suffering yeah. to say no to this spiritual good book. I got to pray the breviary first. Mm-hmm. And let everything else come. Obedience and everything. Yeah. Word.
0: Good topic. Thank you for listening. Um, I'm going to actually lean into my, the way I say this because apparently producer Nick loves it so much. Um, thank you for listening. Um, where am I? Where am I? ah yes please leave a review on itunes and tell your friends about the podcast tell your enemies too because jesus says we must love our enemies you can find me on mastodon at father scrap also you can find me getting my hairs cut right after this podcast i can't wait they need to be cut um yeah
1: yeah you can find me on on uh twitter at fr harrison
0: contact the podcast and receive updates at clerical pod on twitter find us on Facebook, YouTube, or email us at speaking at gmail.com. Do you have a theological emergency? Call 412-912-7995. That's 412-912-7995. Peace. God bless.